All right, Adam, what are we talking about this week? We are hosting Mr. Tony Moffat. We're going to talk about a number of things. He's sitting over there drinking water. Uh, we talk about NASA, aliens, conspiracy theories, mm-hmm. uh, acquisition, interview process, and a number of uh, cool topics. So yep. listen in and hope you enjoy. Thank you, guys. Welcome, everyone, to Mishmash Men, another episode. We hope you enjoyed last week's episode where I talked a little bit about being a test pilot, uh, how you learn it, and how you do it. It was a lot of fun. I had fun talking about uh, about that career field, so I hope you enjoyed it, too. Uh, I am Adam Mauser, and to my immediate right is Mr. Dusty Labar. Hello, everybody. And we have a special guest with us this week, Mr. Tony Moffitt. Hello. So, uh, so brief introduction, uh, Tony, I've known Tony for five, six years ish. Uh, first met him when I uh, was joining a program he was on, it was an R and D research and development effort. Um, and d- to do something with, uh, with flying and sensors, um, in, in a particular environment. And I'll just leave it at that. He can go into as much detail as he wants. Um, so uh, that's when I first met Tony, and we had a lot of overlap. Our daughters played on uh, the same volleyball team, mm. uh, and so it's got, got to know Tony pretty good. He's got a uh, – we have some overlap in career besides that job. Uh, he was a test pilot as well, uh, Army officer, and he was a, a KW pilot. So that's a 58 Delta Kiowa Warrior and a 58 Alpha Charlie pilot, right? Uh, everything that the Army ever owned, the Bell ever made. I'd okay. At some point. There you go. So, uh, so flight school, uh, flew for a while, test pilot, and then after that, had a brief stint at uh, the what I call the extended interview at NASA. So he worked at NASA uh, as an Army assignment uh, and did a couple other things with the Army, retired, and uh, business owner and uh, entrepreneur and uh, all-around good guy. So uh, welcome, Tony. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. I appreciate the invitation. So... Uh, so, Tony, if you could, just give us a little background, and we'll just start uh, discussing and asking questions and talking. Sure, absolutely. Well, I uh, I made a promise to myself that if I was ever a, a guest on anybody's podcast, that I would start off by, I would characterize myself as a husband and a father. Okay. Uh, I, uh, I am um, happily married to my now first wife. Uh, <laughs> Lisa, uh, we're in our 32nd year of marriage, oh, wow. uh, if awesome. you can believe that. Uh, we have five children. I think they're awesome. They think they're awesome. <laughs> of course. They probably think they're more awesome than I think they are. But <laughs> that's a conversation for, you know, a different podcast yeah. probably. Um, but uh, I have, uh, we are married, obviously, all this time. Uh, she did uh, the Army with me and everything she talked about career-wise, and, uh, and we've raised these children together. Um, and I am, uh, by profession, um, that's hard to characterize. I'm, you know, I, uh, I'm an engineer by training, uh, uh, I have a degree in mathematics as well, um, been a test pilot. Uh, what I've really done is over the years I have, um, found things that are interesting to me and pursued them. And, uh, I'm one of those people, uh, for a while there, you know, when the, when the old beer commercial was uh, was around. I referred to myself as the most interested person in the world. <laughs> interested. <laughs> I'm a little bit curious about everything, and uh, you know, I can I can go off down rabbit holes the way I know you guys can go down rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm I'm right there with you. I'm able to go down those rabbit holes, and uh, and so over the years, I have just been interested in various things. Mm-hmm. I 
I've been involved in, uh, since I got out of the Army, I spent 21 years in the Army uh, in aviation. Uh, did some test pilot work. Uh, also, I know you've talked some, Adam, about being, uh, being an acquisition officer. Uh, I was involved in a lot of uh, aircraft procurement and things after becoming a test pilot. I did a stint at NASA. <clears throat> Happy to talk about any of that. But um, spent 21 years there, retired. I've been in, since then been involved in uh, five startup businesses, uh, some of them more successful than others. Um, <laughs> and but like I say, I'm doing what I what I find interesting. Uh, right now, I work at uh, the University of Alabama at Huntsville in uh, what used to be called the Rotocraft Systems Engineering Center. Uh, they're rebranding now to what's called Autonomous Aerospace Research, mm. and um, a lot of just groundbreaking kind of research going on over there uh, that we're involved in. What uh, what were your startup businesses? I'm interested. <laughs> I got out uh, I got out of the army in 2008 and uh, had had some offers from uh, various aircraft uh, companies, uh, mostly defense contractors, to do the sorts of things that we did on on active duty as test pilots, and uh, I call them acquisitors, acquisition officers. Um, and, uh, so I got involved, uh, I, I just started a business. I decided I didn't want to go to work for anybody else. And so I started a business knowing nothing. I incorporated, uh, three months before I got out of the army. And that was the start of, that was my, that was the beginning of my business experience. So you incorporated before you even got out of the army? Just before I got just out of the army. Yeah. Within, gotcha. well, I already knew, already had the paperwork in, was authorized, you okay. know, was already going to get, uh, get retired. Gotcha. To, but, uh. So I started a consulting uh, business and uh, made a living off of that for some years doing um, engineering kind of consulting, aviation, aerospace, defense related kinds of things. But I had worked with companies from uh, very small uh, shops doing uh, body armor mm -hmm. all the way up to, um, you know, Fortune 500 companies um, doing big programs for the Army. And so I got quite a diverse look at things. Uh, one of the other uh, startups that I was involved with, uh, a friend of mine uh, from the Army um, started a business where he uh, he bought a Dunkin' Donuts franchise, but he wasn't going to be just the Dunkin' Donuts guy down on the corner. Mm -hmm. um, he wanted to go to uh, various, um, well, he wanted to go to military bases and put Dunkin' Donuts in the uh, what we call them PXs, the post exchange, the oh, yeah. base exchange, uh, put, put Dunkin' Donuts in there. Mm -hmm. And his sole reason was, you know, all these years in the Army, I go around places and I can't find a good cup of coffee. You know, and he's a New Jersey kid, and yeah. so Dunkin' was his thing, right? Yeah. And so I helped him get going on that and uh, learned a lot about uh, that business, mm -hmm. which is completely different from the defense and DOD I business so, yeah. uh, by a long shot. Um, and so all the metrics are different. And uh, you know, the, the business is different. Everything else has been, uh, has been similar to the, to the DOD sorts of things. Okay. Uh, there've been three others, uh, that I was involved with, with friends, just helping them get, uh, get things up and going mm -hmm. using some of what I learned in these other business startups to, to help them get off, off and running. Okay. I'm interested in your first one, the consulting, and you said you cons consulted on anything from body armor mm -hmm. to some bigger projects. Yeah. So I don't know 
I don't I mean, I'm not sure what you can say, uh-huh. um, but what was like the most interesting one you consulted on or one or a, maybe a couple of the most interesting ones? <clears throat> sure. We, uh, so the armor was kind of interesting. It wasn't, it was different from anything that I'd ever done. And they were going from making body armor into uh, making armor for aircraft systems. And so that's how I got pulled into it. Okay. Um, I was wondering how that connection. Yeah. The, yeah. the connection was made uh, in that way. But the interesting thing about armor is that it's not so much about, uh, you know, it's not so much about armor as it is about materials. It's mm. a materials business, and there's always a newer, better material that can defeat something coming along. Sure. And, uh, but then there are all kinds of just esoteric things that you learn in that about, uh, about the materials. Um, I'll give you a for instance. Uh, there's a difference between bulletproof glass and transparent armor. Okay. Uh, transparent armor, you can actually make ceramics that uh, are see-through, that have the clarity of glass, uh, actually more clear uh, than glass in many cases. And uh, so it's, uh, but there's a difference. It's a completely different process, a completely different material, maybe a completely different uh, series of layups that you use on it, but they have much uh, different characteristics when it comes to defeating some kind of a bullet. Okay. So when, when you're ceramics... Uh, when most folks think ceramics, they think in art class in junior high school, you've got a clay-like material, right. and um, you do whatever you're going to do with it. Then you bake it, and then uh, over a series of time, and then, then you have this hardened material called a ceramic vase or ashtray or whatever it is that you made. So, so what makes it ceramic? Is it the material, the clay, or is it the baking? You can get over my head very swiftly on this, <laughs> and... Uh, the answer is, is yes, it's the materials, it's the underlying materials that, uh, that really define it uh, as, a, as a ceramic. It's also, uh, to some degree, the processes that they use to okay. finish it, to harden it. So they, they select a material that's, that's just like the clay, but it's just obviously they're going to remove anything that's uh, not transparent, and they continue to refine that and bake it-ish. Science. Science happens. Hand-waving. So would you say that, that people, when they say that vehicle has bulletproof glass, are, are a lot of people misclassifying what is in it and it's actually transparent ceramic? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Absolutely. It's kind of like, uh, I remember the beginning of Gulf War II, so in Iraq, well, and Afghanistan. Uh, we kept hearing the word RP, helicopter or aircraft was shut down by, shot down by RPGs. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it wasn't RPGs. I mean, sometimes it could be, but an RPG is just a dumb you shoot a rocket-propelled grenade, so it just shoots straight out. There's mm-hmm. no guidance to it. It just hits what it hits. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, but most of the time, it was something much more sophisticated than a quote-unquote RPG. Okay. Yeah. So whenever I would hear that in the news, I'd just like, oh, shit, whatever. Yeah, not exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they, to answer your question, they, uh, it is a misclassification much of the time. Okay. Uh, glass is very heavy. Yeah, I was wondering. You know, so when it, you can you can imagine uh, in the body armor business, it's a big deal, right? Because sure. human performance, you know, um, it's all about the weight to defeat ratio. You know, the right. ability, the capability versus the weight ratio. And it's on working on very fine margins, but the same is true with aircraft because you know you're always hunting for extra margin and weight. Well, the outside, am I wrong saying this, that like the uh, the rockets they shoot into space, a lot of the outside is co- coated in ceramic because it does heat, I, it does good with heat? They, well, they're, they're, they're coated in materials for the purpose. I'm, I'm okay. not going to say D- ceramic. Just to dissipate it, right? Right, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, you know, great, a great uh, example of that is the tiles that covered the uh, belly of the, of the space shuttle 
Yeah. Um, were actually, you know, they were, they were, they were a material such that you could hold one of those tiles and, and aim a blowtorch directly at it in your hand and not yeah. feel it. And not be able to feel it. Yeah. It's wild. It would, it was, it was capable of, of dissipating heat in that way. Would it, uh, so it reflective slash, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Science. Yeah. 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 Some more science. <laughs> Ish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all you have to do is, if you don't know, just say science, and then I'll just, that's fine. I'll just yeah, hand sorry. wave like this. These, these are not the ceramics you're looking yeah, yeah, for, yeah. right? So it, clearly, I have the same condition you yeah. do, where I start hearing something, then hmm, that sounds interesting. Yeah, Let me ask about it. I, Maybe exactly. Tony knows. <laughs> so have you guys seen the fully, I don't know if it's fully. Maybe that's the wrong thing to say. Have you seen the bulletproof Tesla truck? Yes. Have you guys I seen have, that? Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Yeah. It's, it, did you see that it pulled? A Porsche? A Porsche. It towed a Porsche faster than a Porsche could go. Could go. Yeah, yeah I yeah. did see that. That's yeah, pretty wild. Probably not as far, though. Yeah, that will, <laughs> I almost guarantee you not as far. Yeah. yeah. I, it's 7,000 pounds. It's 7,000 pounds, I think. I the, think so, the, yeah. The truck. The yeah. truck itself, 7,000? Yeah, 7,000 yeah. pounds. That's pretty surprise me. It's all those batteries. Yeah. You know, it's just the, it's the technology is just a locomotive. It's, you know, it, with, with higher performance. I found this really interesting. I don't know if you listened to, um, so Elon was on... Joe Rogan's podcast recently. I don't know if you guys listened to that. Yep, but yeah. He had made a comment. So ro- what Rogan was suggesting was, how do we make it go farther, blo- longer? And he and he suggested that that's not the problem. But but I think that's the opposite for me. I think that is the problem. I think so, too. Because he's saying... Well, th- remember, he's selling them. Well, he's selling yeah, them. That's but, true. <laughs> but he's thought about it, and he's like, you know, that's... But, like, to me, he's saying that the range is 300 miles. I don't know. Which, which they, which, they brought that down yeah, in the which, last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, I'm sure well, too. with 7,000 pounds, I'm sure they were like, whoops. But Oops. They had an independent <laughs> test agency yeah. to do some true developmental testing, but, I think. But even if he's, even if he, let's, let's just for argument's sake, say it is 300 miles. Sure. Do you feel, would you feel super comfortable going on a 250 mile trip? No. Yeah. See, neither would I. That's the problem, right? That is the problem. Yeah, that's because the problem. like they're, you know, just because the nature of um, the gasoline engine and just our culture I can. I will feel comfortable driving anywhere. I, I won't like it, but a quarter tank of gas and let's just go, and yeah. then we'll find a gas station on the way. Yeah. But electric, I don't know. Well, I think the other piece is that infrastructure, right? It's yeah. the yeah. if if you do see charging stations now, it's no guarantee that it's compatible with your your vehicle. Right. It's also a problem. He was also suggesting that um, people just need to get on board with your car taking a half hour to charge up. Do you know how our, our attention span is zero? Yeah. I mean, it, it takes me too long to fill my truck up now with gas. I'm like, come on. Th- think about how frustrated we get on, like, YouTube videos. Yeah. When yeah. you got to wait five seconds yeah. before you can skip the ad. And, God forbid, you have to wait a full ad. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't watch this video. Yeah, I won't even do it. I won't <laughs> even watch the video. It's not gonna do it. Yeah, I just won't no, do it. If you can't skip non skips. So. Yeah. So yeah. I got I got off topic, but I was saying, you know, he he claims that it's it's bulletproof and I, Rogan shot an arrow at it and couldn't penetrate it. That was pretty it. cool. And, uh, and um, that was not not a small arrow. There's a lot of mass behind oh, it. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he said he shot a a, a pretty good size arrow yeah. at it with a lot of weight. So you'd think it would it dented it a little bit, but Yeah, it didn't break through. Um, which like a normal car, it would just go clean through like I mean, it would go right I mean through when it. you see in movies and T V shows the cops hide behind a door? Yeah, not so much. That's the last place I would hide behind is a door. Um, Engine block. Yeah, that's that's a good spot. Put that between me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Or batteries. Batteries would be a good one. I'm, I'm always interested when somebody works for, we'll get to aliens in a little bit. Okay. I'm always interested when somebody works for NASA, uh, what did you do for NASA? Just because yeah. I think, so I grew up in Pennsylvania, not near any NASA. So when I, <laughs> and then I went to Myrtle Beach, now I'm here. 
And so it's like a common thing around here for people to be like, that person works for NASA. But that still blows my mind. (laughs) So I'm always like, what do you do for NASA? So it's always one of the things that I have to ask. So I had uh, had one of the most interesting jobs in the world. Okay. Uh, I readily willing to admit that. Um, I, I don't know how in the world I ended up there, but I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, uh, the Army had a situation where uh, most of the astronauts after the Apollo program were getting selected out of Air Force, Navy, some Marine Corps, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Uh, but the Army had good pilots and, and uh, people who could actually do all this, uh, all this stuff. And, and so they started actually to choosing some people from, uh, from among their active duty to be that they were ostensibly going to make into astronaut candidates. Mm. And they would send them down to Houston and they'd work at Johnson Space Center there directly in the astronaut office in an office called the uh, Vehicle Integration Test Office, the VIT. Okay. And so um, I, after test pilot school, after about a year and a half of being a test pilot, I was invited to come down there and be, be part of that. I'll, I'll call it a program just to give it a label, but um, be part of that operation. And so what we would do is we would work directly, would be assigned directly to a um, to a shuttle flight crew. At this time, it w- I had the good fortune to actually be down there during the during the highest uh, level of shuttle activity during the construction of the International Space Station. Mm-hmm. I got there right after they had. Uh, launched the Unity mo- uh, Unity node, and I left, unfortunately, just after uh, Columbia crashed in uh, 2003. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, but I was involved in uh, launch and landing. Our job would be to, uh, our job as in the vehicle integration test office was to uh, spend all of our time basically down at Kennedy Space Center, down at the, down at the Cape. Um, and we would follow whatever payload our crew, our assigned crew, was supposed to take up on orbit and, and install on the International Space Station. We would follow that through, and we would be there, direct eyes and hands on uh, the module. Uh, we'd communicate uh, with our flight crews every day, um, and we would coordinate for them to come down and take a look at things at critical points in its development, that sort of thing. So we had a lot of hands-on it. Um, uh, hands-on work with with your flight crews mm-hmm. they were very dependent on us uh, to you know really see things for them and it was very much like the test pilot work uh, the test pilot world they, they needed you to see things through their eyes in in many ways right gotcha. and, and uh, so we did a lot of that sort of thing and um, but we were also uh, able to to participate in launches and landings and uh, you know, a lot of the uh, on-orbit activities, uh, occasionally we would be in the, uh, uh, back in Houston, we would be in mission control and, oh, wow. and uh, do some of that kind of work. So it was very interesting work. It was uh, it was a once-in-a-lifetime chance. Um, I got a chance to interview to be an astronaut. Wow. How'd you do? Didn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I got medically disqualified. Uh, had, a, uh, had a kidney issue, and, and uh, so I was disqualified. Don't know whether I would have been selected or not okay but, uh, but i got a chance to go have the interview and go through that whole process wow. uh, you went the, like the interview where it's like this odd table where you're like you know yep <clears throat> yeah it's an l-shaped table like we're sitting at and actually where i'm sitting right now is kind of where i was where i was seated 
-hmm. but it's imagine this is a conference room table yeah and across the top dais here or the you know the top of the the l uh are five people um uh in the middle was uh apollo astronaut john young Mm -hmm. there was the chief of the astronaut office i can't i can't name everybody for you now there was chief of the astronaut officer there was chief of mission control uh, there was a chief flight surgeon and one of the other flight operations chiefs, all the high NASA muckety-mucks that are directly involved with uh, astronaut operations. So you had an in-person interview to be an astronaut. Yep. What do they ask you? <laughs> Nothing. Okay. Yeah, so here's how it goes. You sit down and you get, you get we call it the gouge. This is from <laughs> Navy Test Pilot School, right? It, the gouge is when you go around to, and I guess the Navy term, Probably. Yeah, I think it is. It must a be a term. Navy term. Yeah. I didn't, didn't ever hear it in the Army. But uh, you get the gouge, so you go around to everybody who's done it before, right? And it's like, what's the experience like? And they tell you. You know, they tell you everything. So you're all ready when you go in okay. there. But basically what they do, you know, this this table that I'm at, there are probably 20 people involved in this, but the rest of them are sitting behind me or to, out of out of my frame of vision. And the people that are, that are commanding my attention are right there right and so one of your challenges is to sort of try to engage everybody in the room so there's people that are part of the interview are behind you yes and then you're you're talking to i have somebody sitting right here next to me yeah i I can't tell you who any of these people were that it's all a it's all a blur now right okay but um but yeah, they're they're sort of like watching you from all angles, and you know they're astronauts. Many of them were people that I knew because I'd been working for a couple of years with okay. uh, with various flight crews. There were people that, whose crews I'd worked on and mm-hmm. things like that, and so I knew a lot of the folks in the room. Okay. Um, but when you go in and you sit down, um, you basically have forty five minutes to state your case, right? Oh. And you sit down, John Young. Apollo astronaut, commander of Apollo mission, man who walked on the moon, sits there and he, he looks at you and he says, he introduces a couple of people, says, thank you very much for coming uh, to the interview, as if you wouldn't come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks, for we making, thanks for making time. Yeah. We, we really appreciate you making time, yeah. Major Moffat. I was going to co- go to Costco and get a couple of hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We really appreciate you making time. Tell us about yourself. And that's your cue to talk for 45 minutes, no more, no less. You have to leave 15 minutes for whoa, for questions. Basically, you know, you're, you're shooting for the plus or minus 30 seconds kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so you just had this rehearsed, this is who I am, this is where I've been, this is why I want to be an astronaut, this is why you should care. Okay. You know, it was sort of like the uh, elevator speech on steroids from hell. So you, because you gouged other people, you knew what they were expecting. Yeah. But if you didn't do that and you walked in there, you'd have no idea what the heck was going on. You have to do it. You just wouldn't. You just have to do it. Yeah, I got yeah, you. You do. I got you. you absolutely do. You'd have to because, like, um, okay, so uh, like most interviews, like regular interview, when you say, hey, we just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're expecting from that interviewee is maybe a minute, yes. plus or minus. Brief. Because if the guy just won't stop talking, you know, you start doing these numbers yeah. here. We have lots of bored, other interviews today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kicking back. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. But if you're not, you know, like you, you could have done the 30-second to two-minute speech yeah. and then like, now what? Thank yeah. you, space Mr. Moffitt. Space, yeah. space is pretty cool. I'd like to go there if possible. Yeah, this would be awesome. I've been around this yeah. quite a bit, you know. I'm kind of a big deal. Yeah. Right. I, do you know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
interestingly though they you know they they feel very free of course to break in and and you know i i believe probably there's you know somebody that's planted there to sure. to you know break your train of thought yeah, and i'm get sure a off. psychiatrist is involved somehow yeah. something like that yeah. yeah well that's not even the, the half of you know this is a one week interview so this with a one hour with a one hour board interview uh if you ever seen the if, have you ever seen the movie the right stuff i don't think i have probably well, not read the book the right stuff. Read, the, Read book, the book, but if but if you watch the movie, watch just watch the portion where they go through the <clears throat> where they go through the astronaut session where they're doing the just all the physical stuff mm-hmm. because it's literally I have so many stories about this. This is um, it's literally a one week physical where you are given some sort of a diagnostic test about every uh, system in your body. Okay. You are examined by a specialist in that system to include a two-day psych workup. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do a complete psychological evaluation on you. And, uh, and then, you know, during all that, you go and you have this one-hour interview with the board. Uh-huh. And so a uh, funny story about that, they told us when we went in, they said two things. If you have some kind of an ailment that you don't know about, you will by the end of this week. Mm-hmm. And they had, they had diagnosed people with cancer. They had, they'd save people's lives coming wow. through there, you know, and uh, because they, I mean, literally you've never had a, you've never had a physical workup like this. Yeah. Uh, the, one of the other things that they said, I don't know if it was the second thing they said, but one of the other things that I remember them saying was, you know, people always accuse us of wearing the halter monitor or of, of putting you in the halter monitor side, quick aside, a halter monitor is a heart monitor. Okay. That uh, if you have a heart condition, um, most anybody in your audience who's had a heart condition that maybe, maybe know about this, but they, they wire you up for, and they record every heartbeat for 24 hours, mm-hmm. everything they would put us, we've spent 24 hours during this period in a halter monitor. And they said, you know, some of you will be wearing a halter monitor when you go in for your interview. <laughs> oh, oh boy. gosh, that's fun. No pressure. We did not do that on purpose. Yeah. It's the schedule is already laid out, and we're you know we in the medical side have no idea what the what the board side is doing. Gotcha. Guess who was wearing a halter yeah, monitor when I went in? As a matter of fact, I still have it. I have this. Uh, I have actually an old paper printout of EKG of my. Well, it's it's even it's more even detailed. better than an EKG. More, more it's, it's more detailed. It's like. 250 pages of just heartbeats yeah right but we had to keep a we had to keep a little log at certain times you know a time hack of gotcha. this is what happened right yeah you i know, went running during this time yeah. You know, yeah yeah exactly well part of my log was prepping for interview mm-hmm. going into interview is right here and so i have this i have a couple of pages there of, of my heart rate mm-hmm. in the run-up to this interview during the interview and in yeah. the you know the spool down afterwards That's funny. Yeah. So yeah, I got to wear the halter monitor. The hardest part of that was getting dressed because you know you're you're putting on a coat and tie for sure. this and everything. And of course, this is just it's it's literally like a fanny pack with a little recorder there with you know an EKG attached. Yeah, to yeah, it. yeah. I got gotcha. you. That's wild. Until until you just mentioned about the two day psyche valve, I never thought how important it would be not to have somebody have a mental breakdown in space. Yeah, that's probably very important. Well, and, and more importantly, and probably more likely is. Can this guy get along with the rest of our guys that are of this kind of, mm-hmm. this yeah. type of uh, persona? Yeah, that's right. 
Because what you really needed in that was high performers, but you're going to be in close quarters with people for extraordinarily long periods of time. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have good coping skills. You have to have good, you know, you, you have to have sort of a well-balanced personality. Yeah, good people skills, I assume. You know what? Um, yes. Yeah. Um, that's more because for whatever reason, you know, the, the astronauts are put out there sort of front and center and forward in the public. Yeah, to, they're PR um, people. They're very yeah, much PR right. people. So they, they end up doing a lot of public appearances yeah. and things like yeah, that. Yeah, like when Buzz Aldrin said he saw aliens on the moon. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's the so man. Does anybody of your, uh, did anybody from your class, either your TPS class or this interview panel epi- uh, acquisition class, did any of them make it? Um, they did. Um, I can't name them for you, but, uh, because you can't remember or cause you can't, uh, because I can't remember. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> he was getting excited. Like, it's the aliens, isn't it? You know, if anybody goes to actually check, so this here's, uh, you want to get into some conspiracy theory and aliens and yep. stuff. Um, you know, if anybody goes to check, I didn't actually appear in the, they, they, they send you through as a cohort. So I think there were 17 of us in, you know, whatever it was, interview class, you know, interview tranche, whatever. I don't know. They take a picture of everybody. And uh, so this is the other funny story I have about that. How many people here have actually had surgery as part of a job interview? <laughs> Nobody. I have. The, uh, I had a, uh, I had to have a, they did a, Probably shouldn't tell us. Can I tell them that I had a colonoscopy? And yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, course. It's a normal medical procedure. Yeah. It's a normal medical procedure. Yeah. Well, they'd done a thing, they'd done a diagnostic that they call a sigmoidoscopy. It was just like checking the first 15 inches there and, and yeah. found, found a polyp. And so I had to go and actually have a full up, we're going to knock you out under anesthetic and give you a give you a colonoscopy, colonoscopy as part of the job interview. My Lord. And uh, so as a result, I was, <laughs> I was off. On my birthday, having a colonoscopy when they took the class picture. So I don't appear in the class picture. Go. That's awesome. I don't oh, appear so in the class were, picture. Yeah, gotcha. So so was he really there or was he not? I'm going to yeah. find that class picture. Yep. That'd be good. <laughs> Maybe Abby the intern can find it. Yeah. Abby, if you can find that, you get bonus points. So um, Good luck. I want a copy. Yeah. <laughs> Where do they keep the aliens? That's Where do they I keep want. the aliens? Yeah. I have no clue. Oh, Adam got to it first. <laughs> I have no clue. I, I haven't seen, uh, I don't know anything about aliens. Promise. Cross my heart. Um, but I have seen, uh, I have seen the remains of the shuttle Challenger. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we have. I bet that was sobering. That was very sobering. Yeah, it was, it was incredibly sobering. Were you part of the investigative team? Not on Challenger. Of course, you know, I was in college when Challenger happened. But uh, I was part of the investigative team on Columbia. Yeah, yeah, Columbia. Columbia. Yeah, yeah, right. that's what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah, yeah, Columbia. The uh, every once in a while, oddly enough, uh, on Challenger, every once in a while, a piece of that will still wash ashore because you know it came to pieces over the Atlantic, right. and most of it uh, went into the Atlantic. Um, and so every once in a while, a piece of that or two or three, some debris will wash ashore somewhere, hmm. and it'll find its way. It'll migrate its way. Uh, by the time I was there, the, the place. That people were finding it was like on eBay, you know? <laughs> right? And they'd go out and go, yeah, that's U.S. Uh, federal property. We'll take that. We'll take that. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Right? No reserve. So every once in a while, they would have the that stuff. They would just collect it, you know, in an office down there at Kennedy Space Center. And every once in a while, they'd go out and they had taken literally uh, the uh, Challenger, the remains of the shuttle Challenger, and they had dumped it into a, an old MX missile silo over on the. Um, 
over on the Air Force side, the Cape Canaveral mm-hmm. uh, side over there. And I think it's an MX missile, but one of the big ICBM uh, silos over there dumped it in. And uh, so basically you'd have a crane crew out there and they would just take the top off of it. You put the stuff in and go, yep, there it is. And, uh, but they always had to have an astronaut office representative, which we were as part of the VIT office. And so I was there as a astronaut office representative to inter some of the Challenger debris. Now, were you, um, you said you were part of that Columbia invest. Were you in the VIT, I guess? I was. was. Was some of your payload that you're monitoring on that spacecraft? On I, was, I wasn't involved in that, but one of my colleagues had, uh, had been following. Uh, that was a, so Columbia was not an International Space Station construction mission. It was a science mission. Mm-hmm. And so all the payloads were experiments. They were science this and science that. Yeah. Science-ish. Yeah. Science stuff. Science stuff, right? And aliens. Yeah, yeah exactly. Science I'll, and aliens. We'll get to that. <laughs> so they, you know, they had all these different science payloads and everything in there. Um, and so one of my colleagues had worked that very closely with that crew. And, um, so we all would, it would be sort of like all hands on deck during launch week and that sort of thing. We would all support that sort of thing. But actually the day to day stuff was, uh, supported by, uh, one of, one of the other guys. In the Did you ever have any payloads from Robert Bigelow? Not, I don't know. I, I, everything that I did was, uh, was associated with, uh, with space station. It was the big, big launch. We had, uh. We had Tim Pickens on the podcast. Uh-huh. Um, you know him? Of. of no, him. of. Yep. And he worked with, the reason I asked is he, I know that he worked with Robert Bigelow. I don't think on the space station stuff. I think it was something else. I can't remember now. But I know that Robert Bigelow was sh- was trying to get inflatable things to the space station, inflatable living quarters oh. to the space station. So I didn't know if that was a. That was a concept uh, for space station and, and, you know, Circling back around on our armor conversation, you know, the the materials that you would use for something that's inflatable like that would be very much like Kevlar, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. Uh, Kevlar is actually kind of a low-grade material nowadays for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, yeah, you would use that sort of thing. One of the reasons you would do that is because uh, one of the biggest threats to astronauts that are out spacewalking to, you know, things like the uh, solar arrays on the space station are uh, micrometeorites or just projectiles that are up there uh, in space uh, because they're all traveling at 17,500 miles an hour. And, and, you know, a grain of sand at 17,500 miles an hour. It'll hurt a little bit. Yeah, F equals M A. F yeah. equals M A. Yeah. That's exactly right. So we have a lot of science. That's science right there. <laughs> if gravity's a constant, which may yeah. or may not be true, it's waves. But it's close enough. Yeah. We don't even know if it's a force. Yeah. That's right. It's waves, right? Gravity's waves. It's an acceleration. Gravity just is, man. Yeah. Gravity just is. It just is. Isn't that what they? Isn't that uh? What uh? What the heck's his name? Bob Lazar said that gravity is waves. That's how they can bend. That's how they can yeah, I don't know about fly. That. Okay. Bob Lazar. We could, we could talk about that. <laughs> <time>. <laughs> um, I was going to ask something. Oh, I asked Adam because I'm interested. Uh, when we were talking last week about his him being a <coughs> test pilot. And, and my question is, and this could be wrong, but my initial thought is when somebody gets out of the, out of the military from, what, from wherever and they were flying, that there would be some amount of thought to going into commercial flight. Sure. Um, so... Was that something that you thought about? Was no. there, so you just were just like, that's not, was it something because you didn't have any interest in it or you had talked to other people that did it or, or, 
or, or what, what exactly was the reason to do something else? So I think Adam and I maybe sit on two different sides of the of the pilot dichotomy. I think uh, from the army, and and so from my perspective, there are two t- two types of pilots. There's are the type who live to fly, mm-hmm. and those who fly for a living. Gotcha. I was on the I fly for a living side, and uh, so as a result, you know, um, if I didn't come out on the flight schedule. It didn't bother me all that much. You know. Now, let me interject this here. <laughs> so the implication is that I live to fly. Yeah. But which one of us is part owner of an airplane? You want an airplane? I do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Who hasn't flown since they left a flying position? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Touché. Fair. <laughs> Touché. Fair. That's okay. absolutely fair. So... But you're right. You're right. I, I really enjoyed flying. I enjoyed, um, like, the the engineering approach to flying. Loved oh, yeah. it. I, at TPS, there were so many things that I wanted to find out, and yeah. I found out. And I dug in, and I loved it. Uh, and um, But once I was done with it, I think the reason a lot of folks don't do the commercial is because the people that gravitate to, to being a test pilot – they, they might enjoy flying. They might enjoy flying a lot. They might even have a plane afterwards. But they're more like this. It's a weird, eclectic group of people yeah. uh, that have these weird and diverse yeah. interests. Um, but some of them congeal around certain things, like the number of guys that are in, like unicyclists. Mm-hmm. There's like two or three guys that I know of off the top of my head that have a unicycle. Well, are didn't you, you buy a penny farthing at one time? Oh, no, no. That was my goal. Because <laughs> one, <of my laughs> one of my goals was to be... Yeah, that was my joke because, you know, oh, I had a farm. I got a ton of kids. Uh, mm. I play the banjo, barbershop. And I said, you know what? You got a fabulous mustache. I got it. Thank you. <laughs> I need to, I need to buy a penny farthing bicycle. And for the listener, a penny farthing bicycle is the type with the giant wheel. The giant front wheel, right? The yep. giant front wheel. That's the penny. And then the farthing is the tiny little one right. uh, behind it. And of course, you got to have a mustache and some cool glasses and maybe a bowler. Mm-hmm. So anyway. You have a bowler yet? I don't have a bowler. I should. I need some sort of hat to go with this. Have you thought about cowboy hat? I have a cowboy hat. You do? Yeah. Look at the cowboy hat. Yeah, it doesn't look as no, good as I No, because you look like, who was the guy, who was the conservative radio jock that always wore the cowboy hat? Now Don Imus? Imus, yeah. Yeah. You look too much like Imus. You can't do that. You yeah. can't go there. I'm going to have to pull up Don Imus, but the picture in my head is not good. <laughs> yeah. um, well, Imus is a legend, but so yeah, in certain quarters. It's so I guess because you guys were in a, a very... <coughs> Um, you have more in-depth experience flying, but do you guys? You can say you can say I'm stupid, but do you guys like look at um, commercial pods as like nerds or losers? Nope. Like, is there like a, is there like a, or is it just a different career path? Because because I think I yeah. think people, um, have we're a the nerds. I think. Oh yeah. Well, I think people have like a like in general, you like inherently trust a guy that's flying you through the air. Yeah. Well, uh, you know what I mean. You know what I'm trying it to takes say? a it takes a certain set of stones to put 280 people, you know, 120 people behind you, yeah, and take them someplace, yeah, through the air, the uh, fluid, yeah. yeah. So it's it's not it's not it's non-trivial, right? It's a it's yeah. it's a big deal it's that big they deal, do that. Yeah. We yeah, trivialize absolutely. it culturally. We're just you know just like ah, oh, we're just going to go fly over here, right. fly over there. But it's it is non-trivial because you have six degrees of freedom, freedom, and you're going through a fluid, and uh, it's almost effortless. And oh, by the way, you're traveling close to the speed of sound. You know, yeah. they they typically once they get up, you know, uh, trued out, 
on altitude, they're about 0.85, yeah. somewhere around in there. They they are going damn fast. How fast is that? 600 miles an hour? It depends so on the, the temperature. What? No, no, no. I'm asking how You're fast. You're gonna bring the out the nerd going. in us now. Yeah, yeah. Depend. Like, there's a hundred <laughs> different speeds. And so, uh, yes, so true airspeed would be like the true speed, uh, re- ignoring all the other aspects. Let's ignore all the other aspects. Six hundred miles an hour. I'm guessing. It depends on temperature S- and six pressure 50, of the. Fifty six. Yeah. yeah I let's mean, let's you guess know. that I guess pretty close. You, d- you guess. Yeah, you nailed close. it. Okay. That's absolutely one hundred percent. I was dead on. Dead I was nuts. Af- I was afraid to say to I'm going to inflate your ego. <laughs> yeah. That you were like spot on, but that's yeah, like, yeah. what shame this to be Adam. You should have known that off the top. <laughs> of your this guy's head. not even in aviation, and he's I mean, nailing what's his it. Problem, right? I have a uh, a nice spreadsheet that can give you that answer. Yeah. Still, for some reason. But the, you know, back to the question about the about you know, airline pilots as nerds and that sort of thing. Um, I have actually considered, you know, there, there's been a, there's been a hiring spate going on in, uh, out in commercial aviation. I've actually considered since I bought the airplane, I've actually considered going back to it because one of the things that actually attracts me at this point in my life is, you know, the guys say, you know what, when I park the airplane and I walk up the jetway, I don't get any emails after, right. after work, I you know, I don't, I don't have, it's the work doesn't follow me. The the most I have to do off hours is go and check the schedule to see when I'm flying again the you. next day. It's low key. L- yeah. L- let me ask you this question. Could you guys just take a job tomorrow flying, flying for a convert? Like, do you have to go get some new certification or are they just like you, you check out? I'd have to get current. And then uh, obviously there, there is a, a, a an interview process. Uh, okay. Like, like interview for the company aside. Like, could you just go, like, you have to go get a license or something. Like, you don't have a current license or you do have a current license? I guess I... got a license, I just have to... Well, I wouldn't even really have to get current. No. Uh, So you you could just go take a job tomorrow if somebody was like, hey, do you want to fly for Delta? Yeah, and as long as I pass the interview and I had my my bona fides, then I would, uh, you know, go through their training program to fly their... I wouldn't fly a 737 these days, but, you know, maybe uh, something else. Because the doors fly off? The doors, uh, a really cruddy... um, uh, autopilot system, flight control so, system. Yeah. Wait, are you saying you have a you you would not fly in a seven thirty seven in general? Not not uh, not now. There's been too many uh, problems. They, they, that's the Chevy three fifty of airliners right now. <laughs> you just unlocked a new fear that I had because I don't <laughs> like <laughs> flying anyway. I wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. So let me put your let me put your fears at uh, at ease. I you know a background in aviation and that sort of thing. A lot of what you a lot of what you read in the press when they talk about oh you know the rudder had to be inspected for loose yeah. bolts and so you know the immediate thing that springs to mind is oh we've got you know bolts rolling around down in the belly of the aircraft and that yeah. sort of thing and it's now loose might be it was torqued ten to, you know t- ten foot pounds too low I got gotcha. you it's still uh, attached it's just yeah. not yeah. as tight as they recommend. and one of the reasons why I'll I'll just say this now seven thirty seven aside but um. One of the reasons why aviation is so safe is because there's this incredible process where if Delta Airlines finds a sort of a recurring problem, we've been finding this bolt, you know, in our new airplanes coming out. It's, you know, when we do our torque checks at 50 hours or whatever, it's low by 10. Mm-hmm. They'll, put the, they'll publish that as a circular that goes out to all of the other 737 owners, right? Gotcha. All of the other airlines and everything. And that's what these, you know, these articles are referring to right now yeah. is... Uh, you know, one of those circulars. Well, the the very fact that you're able to read that in an article means that somebody identified that, shared it with the rest of the aviation industry, their competitors even, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it's all part of that 
is part of that safety machinery that continues to work. And so, you know. When you look at the volume of air traffic. Oh, my gosh. And then there's like one or two incidents. Um, <clears throat> and they are they are bad. Yeah. So the, the criticality of failures in aviation, much higher than cars. Yeah. Because if something goes wrong upstairs, then, well. It's, it's a huge problem. It's going to be yep. a problem. It usually yeah. involves flames. Uh, it usually involves some sort of crazy. So whenever something happens, the great example is the engine failures or is failures, right? On the uh, the Sullenberger flight when he took off from LaGuardia. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Hit a flock of birds, both engine fails, and he was able to miraculously land the aircraft and it stayed afloat. Oh, that's miraculously. The, that's the one that Tom... Uh, Hanks. Yeah, Hanks. Tom Hanks. Yes. Uh, that was like, that was perfect. That doesn't happen. It couldn't have gone any better. Yeah. Part of that was, you know, he had been a trainer and, and rehearsed and trained other pilots on this episode of what would happen. Well, you know, how could you do this? Yeah. Um, but anyway, there's a, there's a ton of things that can go wrong. And when they do, that's very bad. But most of the time, nothing happens. But that's why the pilots are there. Yeah. yeah. Is, you know, to take off and land and, you know, deal with the nonsense when it, when it, when it happens, yeah, yeah. Um, but you see, you saw that that Alaska flight, that door flew off. I yeah, mean, I mean that must be terrifying. I bet it was. Yeah, yeah. I'd be terrified. Was. Yeah, I'd be. Yeah. If I were sitting there because it's a pressurized cabin. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. That's what my first. When they say explosive say. pressure depressurization, they're not kidding. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're it, essentially what's happening is you're going from. They usually keep them around what five thousand, five to ten, yeah, feet somewhere in the you know. So you're the cabin. The cabin pressure is equivalent to being at 5,000 feet, but you're 20,000 feet higher I than that. I understand. Okay. And so the so pressure's higher inside. I've never than thought out. about that. Yeah. And yep. they're, they're pressurizing it to a different altitude. So you can breathe. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I'm going to ask this question now. I've been waiting patiently. But All right. But since you, it's aliens. So I feel I've like been coming. teasing it. I feel like so, coming. Okay. So you don't have to go into anything you don't want to talk about, but... <laughs> but you don't even have to ask. You, I don't know. You were in well. I don't. You may not know anything, but okay. you were in aviation. Yeah. Um. You, you know, interviewed to be a NASA pilot or a NASA uh, astronaut. 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 Um, was there ever a thought in your head that like aliens may be real, or I want to see aliens, or maybe I'll encounter aliens, or they'll show me something crazy, or were you just like I don't even care? And it's okay to be I don't care. It, I don't care. Okay. At, at the time. At the time. Yeah. Okay. So I experienced. You know, ancient aliens and stuff after I left, uh, after I left Houston. Like, like the TV yeah. show. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. No, real. I, well, I yeah, no, the real ones. I just had to be clear. You don't know, you yeah, mean? He yeah. went back in time and built the pyramids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I forgot to mention <laughs> that in the prelude. Yeah, we should have said something about <laughs> yeah. that, right? That probably would. Okay, so how did they do it then? Talk, talk about burying the lead, right? Yeah. yeah. It was a crane. Yeah. yeah. Well, they just brought a crane back. <laughs> so, um, but I was not. Um, I was more interested, so I was I was a little bit of a uh, Apollo nerd, you know. Mm-hmm. And what I really wanted to do was be part of the Return to the Moon, okay, mission kind of a thing. And uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about that sort of thing at the time, and um, there still is. <clears throat> and I never envisioned things like uh, you know SpaceX happening. I always, I, I guess, I just always had it in my mind. Maybe it's because I'm the generation that I am or whatever, I don't know, but uh, I just always had it in my mind that NASA goes to space. Yeah, yeah I understand. Right. Yeah. Unless you talk to Burt Rattan. <coughs> <laughs> I don't know who Burt Rattan is. He's like an aviation enthusiast, and he's a big, like, hey, NASA is subsidized. What about the rest of us? Because we could get some money, and we know we can go to space. I got gotcha, you. Yeah, I got gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Like the aviation pope, you know, if you meet yeah. Burt Rattan, you kiss the ring. So. Oh, okay, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. He's a big deal. Yeah, okay. Big deal. 
Yeah. But no, not uh, not not that interested at the time. Okay. Well, bummer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've heard, and Adam laughed about it earlier when I said, but you've heard the clip where Buzz Aldrin said that he saw aliens or, yeah. or encounter something on the moon. I have. It's been a while. But yeah, you, uh, don't, you don't care too much about it. I'm fascinated by aliens. Yeah. Fascinated. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I always leave the option open, but I think in all likelihood it's... Um, I was pretty bummed out about the guy that was David Grush because yeah. he didn't. I was hoping that he was going to give more information, and he yeah. and he pretty much didn't say anything. Personally, I think all of these are uh, that we have a lot of technology that's much more advanced than what we know about, and yeah. it's just attributed by the government as alien technology uh, through a means of uh, sources unbeknownst to them that they're these. Well, sources. you guys have probably seen technology that wasn't available to the public as test pilots, I would assume, and then like. Like, cause like GPS was in, was a military thing before yeah. it was GPS yeah. to the people. And that's not that big of a deal. Like, like that's not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's not I'm like, I'm trying to think uh, the anti-gravity suit that I used to fly. Oh no. All right. Whoops. <laughs> Oops. Oopsie Daisy. You weren't supposed to say anything. About now I have to kill you. He's Bleep like, that. What I, uh, <laughs> I traveled yeah, to that There's world. nothing uh, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, everything that I ever worked on was, there was another application elsewhere and we're just transferring that application to this other, this other thing. Yeah. Okay. But, but, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that aliens exist <laughs> based on this conversation. Based Clearly. on this conversation, yeah, yeah, really? Yeah. I've given you evidence <laughs> that aliens exist? I'm, listen, anybody. I should that, be a rich man by day after tomorrow, yeah. right? Hey, listen, anybody that, you know, I don't, I can't trust anybody. <laughs> the fact that you said you don't care makes me think that you care. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, so do you want to know my position on all this stuff? Yeah, of course. So, the, you know, the alien sort of thing, I, one of the things, one of the wormholes that I went down, one of the deep wormholes, I'm sorry, rabbit holes. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Freudian slip. Warp, <laughs> warp factor five. <laughs> <laughs> one of the, uh, one of the rabbit holes. Well, I guess we could say wormholes. One sure. of the wormholes I dive down in alien yeah. is, is uh, the Fermi paradox mm -hmm. stuff. And, you know, there are all these different instances, instantiations of the Fermi paradox, but you're familiar with, you know, the Fermi paradox mm -hmm. is if they're, if, you know, the universe has been around as long as it has, and, you know, a one in a billion chance could have happened a billion times mm -hmm. in our universe, right? Where are all the aliens? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And it's, well, they're too too intelligent to interact with us, or mm -hmm. they're too, you know, or they're shy, and just all kinds of different in instantiations. But uh, I think there's something to that. It is, you know, the the overriding question is, where are they? Yeah. You know, and where are we, mm -hmm. uh, as far as that goes? And... Uh, it's just not our time. Or or the universe isn't nearly as old as what we think it is. So, so I personally <laughs> flip-flop back and forth aggressively depending on what the government releases uh -huh. because it's a style. the more that they release, I'm like, well, that's, that's a problem. They that's what they want you to do. But then also they would take <laughs> advantage of something like that and be like, I want them to think that it's me releasing the information about this kind. They're, reverse, they're trying to reverse yeah, it, overthink it's, me. It's a total psyop. And I won't yeah. let it happen. Absolutely. There you go. Once I see the tall grays, I'll know that I'm, which is a classification of the aliens that have that have been seen. The tall There's grays. Some tall grays, some short yellows or something. I don't remember. There, there is, there's, there is no. There's like a whole. There's a whole. Uh, they have a legitimate list of like the different a, types. There's a of list aliens. of different classifications. What about of the aliens? paper mache ones that dude in Mexico found? <laughs> those are real, man. <laughs> those are real. They did a. They did a, a freaking MRI scan on those things. Yeah. They're they're real. 
I, be, I believe it. I, I emailed them to ask if I can come look in person. I haven't heard back yet, but I'm yeah. sure. Did, was it Dustily Bar or was it, uh, was it Mishmash Men? It was from Mishmash Men. I okay. felt like they would email me back. That, well, that's what I would yeah, recommend. Yeah. Is you got to like I'm, we're the media now. Hey, this, I'm from this, a, year, this year, this high class podcast. So right. they will definitely answer you. I said, to whom it may concern, senior. <laughs> 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 I'm from a podcast with almost 50 episodes. I would like to yeah. see your aliens. <laughs> we have 100 listeners. Yeah. I would like to see your aliens. Ten regular. Yeah. Yeah. Ten, ten regular. Yeah. So I'll tell you what I do think, though, oh, is boy, the. The uh, the I the thing that I'm interested in is right now is uh, things like uh, that are very ancient um, uh, very ancient sites uh, like uh, Gobekli Tepe and oh, I'm very Turkey familiar. right I'm yeah very familiar. <laughs> now this this I think there's some substance to that you know the, the whole Graham Hancock thing about a a species with a, with amnesia yeah have you watched his uh, series on Netflix. Uh, I have, yeah. Yep. I've watched it twice. So I can wall to wall, I, yeah. <laughs> you are like singing Dusty's song. <laughs> so my favorite, uh, my uh, who's the uh, who's the big geologist guy that takes him out west? Uh, Randall Carlson. Randall Carlson, yeah. <laughs> Randall Carlson. Now he's he that guy's legit. Uh, he's completely legit. Yeah. Legit. Yeah, he is. And uh, I like every. I believe everything he says. You believe everything he says? Yeah, absolutely. About the uh, younger Dry's impact. Yeah, you believe everything he says. That he thinks it's true, or you believe everything that he states is true. You think everything he's saying he believes to be true. Is that what you're trying to? Are you trying to screw I, me up I with believe, that right now? I believe that what he says he believes to be true, and okay. I believe him when he says that he believes. It's that just to like be when true. I get into a fight with my wife, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> what you're I'm saying? Like, I didn't say you were crazy. <laughs> he said you were acting. You crazy. appear to be crazy <laughs> yeah, yeah. to me. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, this is my considered you're opinion. Acting crazy, <laughs> yeah. Um, I've, yeah, I've watched that, th that series twice Have you? because I was, this is wild that my brain works this way. I just sat up one night and I was like, I, I feel like I missed something when I watched that. So yeah. I just watched it again, <laughs> aggressed, like just like focused in on it with no interruptions. You're taking well, notes. Here's, yeah. here's how, yeah. <laughs> here's how bad it is. When I watched it, when it first came out, I binge watched the thing and I, by the end of it, I was like unimpressed because he didn't tell me anything I didn't already yeah. know. The most frustrating thing, this is, and this, this, this spans way beyond just him, but I can't stand. So, like, he's obviously fighting archaeologists. Mm -hmm. Right, right. The thing that, that I can't stand thing. is when anybody won't debate somebody and they're just like, no, you're just crazy. I won't debate you. Yeah, right. I don't like that. That drives me crazy in yeah. any aspect of anything. And it could be like, it's even when Aaron Rodgers, who's not a doctor at all, was like, I'll debate. Fauci. Yeah. And you're like, and he's like, yeah, I wouldn't. Well, well he's crazy. Yeah. But it's, it's like, like well, well, but. Well, he just, if he's so stupid, smash him. Like, like uh, was it Peter him. Tillman? Is that the, uh, the, the COVID proponent, the COVID shot proponent? For. That Joe Rogan had on. Peter Atia. Atia. No, 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 it wasn't Peter Atia. No, I don't think it was Atia. Uh, no, it wasn't Atia. It was. But that, he was he a medical was a doctor. Just in complete and utter horrible shape. I yeah, mean, by was, any measure. I know exactly who you're talking about. And yeah. any metric. And then he was talking trash. And it's like, and Joe Rogan, like, he just, he's a, an inquisitive fellow. Yeah. Right. And he's like, so, you know, do you take supplements? Do you exercise? Yeah. What do you eat? Do you, do you eat, like, Hotez, guy, so Peter like, Hotez. Hotez. Yeah. And just eats trash and garbage. And then is telling me that I need to get a shot for my health. Yeah. Joe yeah, Rogan offered on. him something like $100,000 to debate yeah. um, RFK. And he refused. And he refused. And it, well, and, any doctor that, you know, okay, well, if you won't debate me because I'm not a doctor, then how about a doctor that RFK? Yeah. No, nah, he wasn't interested because well, he's he, he's frightful. 
Well, the problem is, is those guys, it's the appeal to authority thing. But these guys yes. that are, um, are constantly under fire are so are so much more ad- adept to arguing their point because right. they are fo- like they're everybody says they're wrong. Yeah. So they continually argue their point with facts where these guys are just like, I'm a doc. Like you should yeah, just you have to believe me because I'm, I'm a, a doctor. doctor. Right. So I would be afraid too. I'd be yeah. afraid to go. I'd, after I listened to RFK on Jeroga's podcast and a yeah. couple others, I'd be afraid. It's eye opening. Yeah, yeah. I'd be afraid to debate him. He yeah. has a lot. Of, he has a lot of studies that he's bringing up. Yeah. You better do your research. Well, let's at least have a conversation, yeah. right? Well, that's right. why I feel about As Graham. A society. That's why I feel about Graham Hancock when they're like, he's totally wrong. I was like, okay, well, he's not an archaeolog- ar- archaeologist by trait. So if he's very wrong, and by his own admission, by the way, too, he'll you know he comes out in that uh, in that documentary and says, hey, look, I'm a journalist. I know a heck of a lot about it because this is what I've been focused on and written, however many books he's written on it. But uh, but I'm a journalist, and I know this stuff inside and out, but I'm not the archaeologist that's going out and doing right. it. So, so if, a, if an archaeologist wants to debate him, and that's anything, just like we said about doctors too, like you, if you think, if you're saying somebody's wrong, I mean, it should be pretty easy for you to debate them. And you can't hide behind the fact that you have some sort of certification yeah. that says you're an archaeologist. So I have this undergrad and now graduate school and now maybe a PhD in archaeology, that means nothing unless you can actually use it. So if you're as wise and savvy in your particular field, you should be able to bring Graham up on the step. Like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but did you consider these things? There might be alternate explanations Like doctors used to, um, like, hammer people's brains through their nose and lobotomize them. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, maybe we, we use should, leeches to I, cure things. Yeah, we should just, uh, you know, so call it medical practice yeah, for a reason, yeah, yeah. right? You know, it's practice. Maybe it's just practice. be a little careful. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So, How about mastery. Let's have yeah. some medical mastery. Right. Okay. I got my conspiracy stuff. I'm good. So, Dude, I could go. So, you, you, we just covered like five different topics. I can go a whole other hour on all that stuff. We maybe we need to bring we need it up. To have a, we <laughs> yeah. probably need to have a part two because if you have a lot of stuff to bring up, I yeah. mean, we, we should probably do a part two. I think we're just getting warmed up, but we're coming up on an hour. Are we coming up on an hour? Yeah. Believe it or not, it's time went by. Time flies and you're having fun. Yeah, that's right. It does. So uh, we'll have to close it out here for sure. Um, and then, but I think we're going to have Tony yeah. back again. Well, I know the guys that schedule the interviews. I do too. So we should, we probably yeah. can get. Let's them uh, let's coordinate with each yeah, of them. We'll, we'll get them. We'll get them in. And I'll uh, I'll check my calendar. Yeah. Okay. You tell us when we're good, and then we'll do it. Yeah. Twenty twenty five sometime. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I don't think I can wait that long to get in the conspiracies. Oh no. Maybe uh, maybe if you come back and, and tease us with some alien stuff, we could do that about yeah. the time that you you know helped bury some aliens that crashed. Mm. Where did where where at? Where'd you bury them? Of Roswell, of course. I wanted to go there, and Laura won't let me. She said we're not going to a trip, so you can try to look Man, at aliens. It's stuff. like a Hodge. You yeah. gotta go to, well, gotta go to Roswell. <laughs> by there, <laughs> we'll s- we'll I flew. See. I flew something by there. I just gotta. What'd you see? <laughs> it was south of there. Well, south. Oh, okay. The Geiger counter really went off. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I bet it did. All right. Well, that was fun. So uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you all enjoyed getting to know Tony Moffitt, a good friend of mine and mentor of mine in many areas. I appreciate your friendship, Tony, and thanks for coming on. Likewise. Thank you for having me. Thank you, uh, sir. So, Dusty. We'll see you guys next time. See you next week.